John 20, 11 through 18. Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, Woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. He asked her, Woman, why are you crying? Who is it you are looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, Do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news. I have seen the Lord, and she told them that he had said these things to her. Thanks, Jordan. So this is our first Sunday back after Easter. Everyone, yes. We all had a little holiday last week. Hopefully you did refreshing things. I, on Easter day, I turned 45. It was my birthday. Yes. So I went with some friends and had some lovely time away and sat in the sunshine and it's been good. And now it just feels nice to see everyone again. Um, we went through the season of Lent and then we had Easter and then in the church calendar um, we have what's called Eastertide and Johnny made this beautiful, isn't it beautiful? Like this is our invitation into this new season of Eastertide. And Eastertide is a time in the church calendar leading up to Pentecost. And so it's an opportunity for us, 50 days, um, to celebrate resurrection. Sometimes maybe I don't know that we're like known as the most celebratory group of people as the church. And so we're just going to have a 50-day party so that we can be the celebratory people of new life. And so that's what Eastertide is. Eastertide is the 50 days that we get to party, so you're welcome. Um, and if you remember, for those of you who were here on Easter Sunday, we talked about um, the characters that are part of the narrative of John's Gospel. We talked about Mary Magdalene, we talked about Thomas, and we talked about Peter. These just got these little glimpses. And then we talked about the unnamed disciple that is in that text, um, and kind of put ourselves in that kind of unnamed open space. And so each appearance, as we heard, as Johnny preached on Easter Sunday morning, is so different. But it's very intimate. Jesus' interaction with all these disciples is intimately personal. Um, and there's this common thread that comes through as Jesus invites all of these in the beginning of new, new resurrection, new life, Jesus invites all of these folks that he's chatting to, to new beginnings. And so we want, in the next number of weeks, to let their stories continue to capture our imagination. And so we were asking ourselves, as we look and attune to these characters in the Gospel of John, what would it be like to really encounter the new life of Jesus? How would it feel? What new beginnings does Jesus' resurrection make possible? What does New beginnings does new life make possible. And so that's 
what we want to ask ourselves as we party during Eastertide. And today we are going to talk about the first witness of the resurrection, Mary Magdalene. And I have to admit that hanging out with Mary Magdalene all week has been fantastic. And so I hope I can just pass on a little bit of what I've learned by sitting with her this week. Um, but yeah, powerful, powerful person in the text. So we'll pick up where we're first introduced to her in Luke's Gospel in chapter 8. This is kind of where we get this initial glimpse of this uh, mighty woman. After this, Jesus traveled about from one town and village to another, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. This is early on in the life and ministry of Jesus. The twelve were with him, and also some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Mary, called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had come out. Joanna, the wife of Chusa, the manager of Herod's household. Susanna, and many others. These women were helping to support them out of their own means. This is our first kind of introduction to Mary Magdalene. The women are also um, described in Matthew and Mark, and they are described, again, as supporting the ministry of Jesus. Um, Mary is and was a very common name. She's a scholar, and she says, probably in Palestine at that time, one in four women were called Mary. Pretty popular, yeah. Um, and so sometimes when we talk about the Marys in the Bible, it can get a little bit confusing because there are a number of them actually in the text and then in extra canonical texts there are more. So there's seven in the text, potentially um, if you like splice those out, it could be more, but there are definitely seven Marys that are mentioned in the Gospels and in the New Testament. Um, and unfortunately, Mary Magdalene was conflated by another woman, by Pope Gregory, in a sermon in 591. And in that sermon, by this Pope, she was conflated with another woman in the text who is unnamed, a woman who anointed Jesus' feet. And the definition there of this woman is that she was a sinful woman. And some people then kind of added on to that and called her a prostitute. And so this woman who is sinful, is then sexualized, and then Pope Gregory attaches this to Mary Magdalene. Basically lands her with kind of this questionable sense about her. That was not her. And in the 16th century, that began to be unraveled, that that was not her, and that this Pope had not spoken correctly about her. And then in 1969, it was officially cleared up. 591 to 1969. It's a long time to be misrepresented, right? So she's been misrepresented for centuries. So some of you, when you hear Mary Magdalene, you might imagine her as like an alabaster oil that there's like, she's usually in, in art, in Renaissance and Baroque and different kinds of art. She's depicted as having red because there's some some kind of negativity or red is like this, um, is a, a visual color representative of something like unkept about her. That's not her. So we have to ask ourselves, who was Mary Magdalene? She was misrepresented for all that time. Mary called Magdalene, Luke chapter 8. 
or Mary of Magdala. And how she is referenced in this ancient text of Luke's gospel is important and tells us something about it. She is not referenced as the wife of or daughter of anyone, which is significant because that is most commonly the way that women would be identified, with their spouse or as a daughter of somebody. You can see it here in the text, Joanna, wife of Clopas. Or chooser. I don't know why I have Clopas here. <laughs> it's all very good. I'm mixing up names all day today. She's not associated in relation to a man. So she's single. And she's maybe widowed, but she's likely middle-aged or older. Middle-aged. That's maybe why I really liked hanging out with her. And she's single. Yes, please. She's not associated with a father. She's not associated with a man. It means that she stands in her own right. Mary Magdalene. It could be that she was Mary of Magdala, which is a location, it's a place. You know, like Jesus of Nazareth. You know, Jesus was from Nazareth. Mary of Magdala, Mary from Magdala. And Magdala was a place in Galilee. And so she was, if she's from there, she's likely wealthy and influential woman from there. It also could have been a nickname. Magdala means tower. So it could be that she was Mary the Tower, like Peter the Rock. Peter was given a nickname called the Rock. It could have been that Mary was given a nickname. She was a tower. Also like that. And some associate her as being actually the sister of Lazarus. Many don't. They call these two Marys distinct because, as we know, one in four women are called Mary. So there's a possibility that she could have been that Mary, but more likely that she was a different person, different Mary. And there are lots of legitimate interpretations of who she was. But what the legitimate interpretations tell us about her is that she was a capable accomplished woman who stands in her own right. So there we are. Mary called Magdala. Then we read, from whom seven demons had come out. And evil spirits in ancient texts were often interchanged with sickness. So it could be that she had a physical sickness or ailment that she was struggling with until she encountered Jesus. It could also be that this was something spiritual, like a kind of darkness and evilness that was coming over her. But I think it is sufficient to say that prior to encountering Jesus, something tormented her. A kind of affliction that likely fragmented her a kind of pain, a kind of darkness, a kind of deathly presence, a kind of weakness? I don't think so. I don't think it was a weakness. To be oppressed by sickness or by dark spirits 
or by systems of oppression is not weakness. Some of the most resilient people that I've met are acquainted with darkness. People who've lived with chronic pain. People who have lived in distress. People who have been oppressed. They are some of the most resilient people that I've ever met. And I think some of our most significant historical figures come from oppressive spaces. Harriet Tubman. Anne Frank. Rosa Parks, Maya Angelou. The fact that she suffered in the darkness didn't make her weak. I think what this tells me about her is there's a kind of resilience that she has. A kind of resilience that has been born in her in the darkness. She was also courageous. She was courageous enough to face these demons. In the presence of Jesus, in the presence of Jesus, she found freedom and her way home again. Home to her own body and home to the world around her. So this woman, Mary Magdalene, capable, resilient, Courageous. And she also had money. Bring it. These women were helping to support them out of their own means. As Johnny said, these ladies were bankrolling the ministry of Jesus. Right? She um, had money. And she used that money to support fishermen and carpenters along with some other women, because they needed economic and financial support. And so she stepped in and she provided. Thank you, Joanna and Susanna and Mary, for bankrolling the ministry of Jesus. I like thinking about it for multiple reasons. Because as a human, Jesus needed community. Jesus needed people, financially, Emotionally, practically, and here she is, Mary of Magdala, or Mary Magdalene. She's one of those people. And the other passages make clear that she's traveling with Jesus, consistently traveling with Jesus. So she is close, she is known, and she is participating in the life and ministry of Jesus. And so when Jesus is arrested and on his way to death, she is close because she is part of his community already. She is on the inner circle. And she watches Jesus die. Each gospel narrative names that the women are there when Jesus is crucified, when he dies. So she watches 
as Jesus dies. And John Gospel tells us how close Mary Magdalene actually was to the crucifixion of Jesus. John 19, 25, near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, Mary, his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. Who are there? Three Marys. In this moment, when the Marys are standing there, close to the cross, this is the moment where Jesus says to John, take care of my mother. So she is close enough to hear Jesus speaking from the cross. She's close. I think that must have been so meaningful to Jesus. In the garden, he had asked his followers to be close to him in a moment where the text says that he was troubled in spirit. And there, in Jesus' darkest moment, stands this woman. Close enough to him to hear him speaking. It's a politically and religiously volatile environment, clearly. And in Rome, women and children were also crucified. At one point, there was a group of 400 people who were crucified, and most of them were women and children. And so these women, in particular this one, is a known follower of Jesus. And there is a reason that most of the disciples deserted because they were afraid. You know, legitimate reason to be afraid. No shade for having fear. But she stands there. And she stands there all the way to the end. They are standing there for hours, at least six. And we know that she's there for that long because she stays until she sees Jesus' body taken off the cross and laid into a tomb, into a burial spot. So we know she is there from beginning to end, to the very end. As evening approached, there came a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph who had himself become a disciple. Going to Pilate, he asked for Jesus' body. Pilate ordered the body to be given to him Joseph took the body, wrapped it in linen, placed it in his own tomb, rolled a rock in front of it and went away. Who is there? Mary Magdalene and the other Mary was sitting there opposite the tomb. Matthew's Gospel, Mark's Gospel, Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of Jesus saw where he was laid. Mary called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had come out, who supported Jesus' ministry from her own financial stability. She stays at Jesus' darkest moment as he had done in her. Mary Magdalene. Mary of Magdala. And you know how I like a little bit of interaction, so I want you to just think about her for a second. 
And I want you to think of, as you think about this text and the things that are said about her, I want you to think of one word that comes to mind when you think of her, and I want you to say it out loud. I've already given you ones that came to my mind. Courageous, competent, resilient. You don't have to, but if there's a word that comes to mind as we hear about this woman, I want you to say that word out loud. Devoted. Faith. Strength. Loyal. Again. Curious. Yes. Impacted. Love. Love. Intentional, resilient, Mary Magdalene, devoted, faithful, strength, intentional, resilient, loyal, curious, impacted. Mary Magdalene, love. Right. Solid woman to be hanging out with for the week, right? Like we see these characteristics and she, as she interacts in the life and in the death of Jesus. And then we look to the resurrection and how she participates then in the resurrection. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene, she's off. She's up in Adam. Where did she go? She went to the tomb. They had a Sabbath. Now, the gospel talks about how they were preparing the spices. They had their Sabbath, and then early the next morning, she got up and she went to the tomb while it was still dark. And she saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance, so she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciples, the one whom Jesus loved, likely John, and said, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put them, him, put them, him. So Peter and the other disciple, John, they get to run in. They're like running down, let's get there, let's see if what this lady has to say is legit. They get there, and sure enough, what she says is legit. Jesus is not there. They look around, and they see what she says she saw, and they also see it. And then, verse 10, then the disciples went back to where they were staying, Peter and John. They go back. Verse 10, then the disciples went back to where they were staying. She didn't go. 
she wasn't ready yet to go back to where she was staying. She remained in the garden where the tomb was. Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb, and she saw angels. But first, as she was standing outside of the tomb, she wept. You can imagine why she's weeping. She wants to dignify the body of the friend she loves. She's courageous and capable, important part of the Jesus ministry, and she weeps. A woman who weeps is a woman who is human. She's been through a lot. And she holds on to her vulnerability and her tenderness. To be capable and to be courageous and important does not mean that you have to harden. And it does not mean that you are not emotional. Jesus wept. Because of the pain of loss and probably the trauma of what she'd just been a part of witnessing. So she stands outside the tomb crying and as she wept, she bent over to look and she saw two angels where the body of Jesus had been. And they're like, woman, why are you crying? They, they've taken my Lord away, she said. I don't know where they put him. And at this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. He asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it you are looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him and I will get him. I will get his body. I will carry him. You tell me where you have put him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned. She knows that name. She knows that voice. She knows how that voice sounds in her ears. She turns toward him and she cries out. She cried out, in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news. I have seen the Lord, and she told them that he had said these things to her. My Father, your Father. My God, your God. While she's in the garden weeping, she's asked twice why she is crying. Woman, why are you crying? Jesus then says, who is it that you are looking for? Jesus identifies her loss. You've lost someone. You're crying, and who are you looking for? And she's not expecting him. So she mistakes him. And then he says, Mary. She hears him and she knows him. Rabboni, my teacher, I know you. And then I think 
she grabbed hold of him. Because why wouldn't you? After all they've been through, of course she's going to like grab hold of him. And we don't know how long they're there with like standing with her grabbed hold of him. Jesus does not love or live abstractly. As truly human, he also needed community and people. And here is one of them. Mary of Magdala. Mary the Tower. Standing, holding on to him in the garden. He said her name. She knows who he is. She knows exactly who he is. The one who is known to her and the one who knows her. The one who values her participation. The one who values her contribution. And the one who values her presence. And she is clinging on to him. And then he says, don't hold on to me. And in the Greek, it's a Greek imperative, past tense Greek imperative. And so what he's saying here is, don't keep on holding on to me. And then he has a reason why. Go instead. Don't be clinging to me. Go instead. Go and tell. Tell them. She has a message to share. And Jesus is entrusting this powerful piece of the story to her. John and Peter were just there in the garden. But it's her who becomes the first resurrection witness. She is trusted both as the messenger and the one to speak the message. She's known as, and she's entrusted with the importance. The importance of the message is kind of held between them, I would imagine. And she is given the commission to communicate it. It's an apostolic commission to communicate this message. Go and share our story, friend. That's what Jesus says. Go and share our story. And the appearance of Jesus to Mary Magdalene is, re- is revealing. Reveals that Jesus not only highly values women, but he also gives her the story, the message, the news. The words of life and homecoming. The reality that Jesus is standing there in front of her saying her name means that Jesus has not only destroyed that which was death-dealing in her, She has experienced that which is death-dealing. And the presence of Jesus alive in front of her means that he has not only destroyed that which is death-dealing in her, but he has destroyed death altogether. With new life. The life that is standing real in front of her. And so she is given the message and the news of life. And she's also given the words of homecoming. 
the words that incorporate her and all that follow her words into the story. He says, I go to my father and your father. Tell them that I go to my God and your God. Jesus does not love or live abstractly. My father and your father, my God and your God. Jesus takes any distance that we might think we have and return gives us a place in the story. Do you believe you have a place in the story? Do you believe you have a place in the story? Do you know and trust the one who has the power to bring you home again? Home to yourself? Home to others? Home to divine love? Do you know and trust the one who always reveals the way to new beginnings? Mary did. And no matter how often another story has tried to take her out, she still speaks. There's a whole chunk of history that has wanted to erase her. No matter how often another story has tried to take her out, she still speaks and we do well to listen. Missio, Jesus has the power to bring you home again. Home to yourself, to others, and to divine love. Rebecca talked a bit about that this morning when she introduced herself. Jesus is the one who will always reveal to you the way to new beginning. Jesus values you. Jesus values your participation. Jesus values your contribution. And Jesus values your presence. Those are the words of Mary of Magdala, the loyal one, the faithful one, the one who loves, the resilient one, the courageous one. And so as we begin this Eastertide, this 50 days, uh, we're invited to consider what would it look like to really encounter new life in Jesus this season? this party season, what would it look like to really encounter new life with Jesus? In your life, in this season, the spring is kind of telling that story, right? What would it look like to really encounter new life in Jesus? What would it look like for you to consider what new beginnings might be made possible in your life?
I'm not saying that that's always easy to consider, especially when we find ourselves in the dark, which some of you may. But I am saying that it might be worth considering. In what ways may Jesus allow new life to be born in you? As you lean in, as you press in to the presence of Jesus. In what areas of your life may Jesus be able to bring new beginnings? Just ask this morning that you would consider that as we step into this Easter tide. We're listening to Mary, a woman well worth listening to, who she points to, well worth trusting. Let's pray. Jesus, thanks for um, having this woman in your closest circle. a gift it's a gift to hear her and see her to know her loyalty to know her faithfulness to know her resilience and to be called by her into trusting into believing into hoping And I pray today for everyone in this community that the places where they need light, that it would come. That the places where they would need an encounter with goodness would come. That the places where new beginnings feel impossible, that Spirit, you would allow those new beginnings to be born in our community. And I pray, Christ, that we would be a community that celebrates newness. That we would be patient. That we would be hopeful. And that we would be loving. Pray in Jesus' name. Amen.